Congratulations! You found it! The most inappropriate book club you never knew you were missing! Starring the original book divas Martha Steele and Vonnie Golden, and also featuring Megan Runyon, YA superfan, Keith Steigert, Uber Reader and Romance Junkie, Pat Greiner, she has the head of an English major and the heart of a sci-fi nerd. These people are passionate about books, maybe a little too passionate. Plotting world domination one book at a time, they are three book girls. I feel like almost every podcast, it starts with me saying something really stupid and dumb. No. No. Like something about the, um, what was that fucking car? The panty car? No. Oh. oh what was it? Something about the, hamster. Panty the, hamster. The panty hamster. Oh, my God. What if the pastor had said to me when I saw him, so panty hamster, like that would have okay, been so now embarrassing. Okay, now this is, this is, um, I think that is a really good place to start today, Keith. <laughs> Shit. I think I you should tell us up. the story about uh, what happened when people in your town discovered your hobby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Actually, excuse me, I'm going to rephrase that. <clears throat> yeah, they still haven't discovered my hobby. <laughs> when people in your town <laughs> discovered your business. That de- that sounds even worse. That does. <laughs> well, you know, now that we're an official LLC. Ooh. Oh, that's right. Wow, that was very clever. That just happened. <laughs> we are official thanks, things. Thanks to the love and support of our Patreon, whoop, whoop. we have now become an official LLC. So welcome to Steel Trap Productions officially. Woo! It's been our outro forever. Yeah, but I pulled it out of official. my ass like when we first put the outro up. Keith, <laughs> tell us the story about what happened when you went to church for the first time since the pandemic. So I haven't gone to church since the pandemic started, but my children, two of my girls are Girl Scouts and they do a Girl Scout Sunday where they go and they participate And I would have been a really shit mom if I hadn't gone to watch them. And it's not that I don't want to go back to church. It's that now I'm a hermit and I don't like to leave my house. And it's very (laughs) difficult to get dressed and to wear a bra every day. (laughs) So we went to church and, you know, everything was going fine. And as you leave church, you go up the main aisle and everyone has to shake hands with the pastor and I must have posted on Facebook at some point about how I'm on a podcast now or I'm going to a live show because six or seven ladies said, oh, I'm so happy that you're doing something that you love like this podcast. And my eyes just kept getting bigger and bigger (laughs) with each compliment. And then as I was leaving, my pastor said, so I like your podcast. (gasps) He listened to us? (laughs) Oh, shit. And my eyes went very big. And he lifted up his hands and stepped back and said, I'm not saying anything. (gasps) I'm just glad you're enjoying yourself. Because he's a great guy. But, um, (laughs) and of course, my husband missed all of it because he got out of there. He went up the aisle and he was in the car by the time I got out. And I said, there are a lot of people that listen to the podcast. He said, you're exaggerating. So no, Mr. Keith, not exaggerating. It was weird. That's crazy. I this, So I don't normally get to sit next to Keith because she's normally far, far away. She actually writes her Megan blushes in her writing, in her reading journal. How else are you guys going to know how spicy the book is if not to see how often <laughs> Megan blushes? I think it's funny that you... That's adorable that you think I'm not a professional here writing down the Megan blushes. Goodness. 
I feel really special that I have a. I'm part of the rating system in your book journal. The other thing we should probably mention is that we have a guest today from Portland, Oregon, Miss Phyllis Laners. Yes, live from Portland. You got to get a little closer. Okay, I will eat the mic. There you go. She has an even sexier. She does. Your voice is way sexier. Bonnie's got some competition in the the phone sex voice. (laughs) Bonnie decided to sit this one out. Is kind of this kind of appropriate the way this worked out, don't you think? Yeah, I guess so. You know, we can always talk about what things and <laughs> voice. <laughs> that's Keith. That's Keith. not fair. That's we Keith's. could talk about poignant shit. Yeah, hey. yeah we can. Or how <laughs> poignant the word moist is. <laughs> oh. oh man. <laughs> I think she's the natural, folks. I think we're safe. (laughs) I think we're okay. We're in the hands of a pro here. (laughs) We have friends also on the Haunted Futon who are... Yes, we have... Our next uh, podcast is going to be an episode featuring Farrah Laners, who just had a birthday. And you, you forgot her title. She's a lady oh, now. Excuse me. I, I thought we'd oh, go Oh, wait, are you that. both ladies? Yeah, they're both you ladies. Both? <gasps> oh. We made quite the faux pas. We we totally forgot to curtsy. We didn't yeah. curtsy when they came in. <laughs> Jennifer, their friend. Abandoned so Jennifer you. came uh, with them as well. And you're the one that purchased the present for them. Is that oh. right? Um, uh, Phyllis, why don't you explain what the present was? The present was absolutely awesome it was and i am now an honorary lady of hugon manor in cambria england and we have this very small five foot square foot lot <laughs> which, I, which is all mine I get. I can get one toe it. of a prince in there, <laughs> <laughs> or an earl, or a duke, or a viscount, if or a viscount. If he's have to do it. if he's a svelte <laughs> duke, it's very svelte. <laughs> yeah, oh. yeah. You could it's take beautiful. turns being in the and, square. You might have. You might have a challenge with a portly duke. Maybe a finger. The Bridgerton boys are fairly lean. They are. I think that. But would be I good. think you yeah. said do that. I think you, you said know? it right when you said boys. Mm-hmm. No, they're no. the Bridgerton men. men. Yeah, Bridgerton men, especially mm. when they're wet. Oh, oh man, silence. <laughs> <laughs> okay. When they're wet. <laughs> I mean, whoever directed that moment. Of him in the God, water in a white shirt. I have shirt. heard so much about that fucking white shirt they just in the knew. last couple of days. What white shirt? Just, it went clear. It, it I just clear. mentioned it this morning. <laughs> the clear shirt on Viscount Bridgerton. You know, that's, that, that's just I find that offensive. cinematic gorgeousness. I gotta say, <laughs> I find it offensive for the um, objectified young man who had to enter a wet t-shirt contest, basically. There was no the contest. Entire, <laughs> it had to have the entire free world discussing his nipples no i was i well, that was not at all no it was paid to get to the nipples it was it should get to the nipples all i thought was abs but sad days ladies for those who don't know jonathan bailey who plays viscount mm-hmm. is not interested in any of us i know Oh man, that's always the way of the hot, handsome men. But then I saw a really funny TikTok that was like, damn you, Hollywood, for making me love a gay man playing a straight man written by a woman. And I had never felt so seen or attacked at the same time. (laughs) (laughs) Seen, heard, and attacked. I'd be willing to change. I'd still do lunch. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I would would take high tea with 
with Jonathan Bailey. Low T, low T, high T. What? I don't even like tea, but if he called and was like, "Hey, do you want to get tea?" I'd be like, "Absolutely." Mm-hmm. Ice I tea. will choke down some tea. Mm-hmm. To- Sweet tea. Only if there's moisture involved. Yes. Oh, we forgot to mention that Shona's here too. She's being so damn quiet over there. Shona, Shona, Shona L mm-hmm. is in the house. Oh, we are really yes. just doctor whoing it up right now. Oh, we totally. really, really do need to mention that we're recording some extra episodes during the visit of our friends from Portland. We will be a bit off schedule if something really traumatic happens in the world in we the next three weeks about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah we're gonna be a little ahead of ourselves for a while okay so yeah time traveling we have our tardis ready we're here for it mm-hmm. where do you still have that sounder on your phone the tardis <laughs> sound yeah oh of course it's my it's my ringtone that's what i thought oh, hang say, on. boot it up sure do, do you hey, still have that topless david tenant picture stick it up to your microphone <laughs> You know what? Uh, we can talk about this because it might be a week off, depending on whether our live episode actually recorded. <laughs> Yay! Okay. God, we're nervous. Before they charge us for copyright. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. I was very disappointed in the world yesterday. I don't know who put that up, but I, my heart went to my toes. I was disgusted and overwhelmed with sadness when I saw a news story featuring... This miniature Spider-Man infant oh, no. who was supposedly going to take over the role of the doctor. Tom Holland is has no business in that role. It was an April, April Fool's, Fool's joke. I know that. I'm in You're going to get Megan all upset. I'm just <laughs> telling you how I felt when I saw the news. See, and I had the exact opposite reaction where I was like, okay, I'm here for it. No, I might no. have said some swear words, some choice things <laughs> but to see, Martha. But that, well, so the only reason as soon as I saw it, I was like, this is an April Fool's joke. Because last year, the year before for April Fool's, they posted an article saying that the TARDIS was done and that we're never having another TARDIS. And that they're going to like retire the TARDIS and like the doctor is going to travel in something else. And I was like, what the fuck? And then I was like, <laughs> it's April 1st. <laughs> so it's been like a pattern that they do in, in the uh, bottom of that article. It had like a quote from David Tennant saying something like a quote unquote quote from David Tennant being quote, like, quote, quote. yeah, mm-hmm. being like, I really, I really wanted to come back. It should have been me. <laughs> like, so it was just like, I must say I was very, very proud of all our three book girls tribe and all of our people who came to see the live show that there were no april fool's shenanigans i was just gonna mention that i would have lost my ever loving shit yep unfortunately the rest of the world did not play according to my rules so you never found that sign that we put on the back of your shirt (laughs) oh dear yeah keith it (laughs) constantly reminded us that shenanigans would not be tolerated (sighs) under any circumstances and was very firm about that it was not allowed in this household we totally let go of the idea of any pranking we had an ice cream party for our people at work as their quote-unquote april fool's joke Keith and I had an ice cream party yesterday, too. Yeah, but we actually got to eat the ice cream and stuff. I mean, that would have been a horrible April Fool's trick no. if she had said, ooh, let's get ice cream, and then been like, yes, yeah, And then handed you Brussels sprouts. <laughs> oh. There is Brussels sprout gelato. Yeah. Okay. Mm-mm. No, thank okay, you. Okay, now that is no. Phyllis. Really? Really? That has no. You know, really? There are horror novels <laughs> that yeah. frightened me less. <laughs> okay, you can have the liver one. <laughs> my coworkers oh, ate fried liver the other day at work oh that's just disgusting yeah from one of the little like corner shops well, you know when i was saying i said to martha yep. that was the one thing she said what are your food requests when you come out and i said i will eat anything but 
these don't get any, any kind of liver. <laughs> and then I texted back, hmm, that's sad because I really do like a good chicken liver. People really like chicken liver. I like liver. chicken livers. I People are weird. Fried. But then as I, the more I thought about it, the more I thought, that's been a long time since I ate chicken livers. Do they even sell that shit anymore? Yeah, they have it at um, Chicken Express. You could have gotten chicken liver. What? Yes. Be They're gross. supposed to be very good for you. Full of iron. I'd rather die early. I'd mm-hmm. rather have no vitamin D than eat a chicken liver. Vitamin D? Or, vi- or iron, I mean. Sorry. I need the vitamin D in my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the, the, your kind of vitamin, your vitamin D, D means D something different. completely different. <laughs> Am I right? Why, yes. Keith's idea of vitamin D. Um, you don't have to explain it. They're not eight. I know that. <laughs> We've discussed this vitamin D. I was going to say something else, but fuck Multiple off. Times. <laughs> so the whole idea of doing doing anything April Fool's related was out the door. However, we did have a lovely time at our live event at Full Circle. And we're having another one so that if you want to make plans to join us again in the future... You can join us on May 28th, 28th, and no excuses because it is the Saturday of Memorial Day. So probably most of us are off on Monday. Gives you an extra day to travel. And we know that school's out. So school. Well, I don't know. Not every state has school out. No, Maryland is still in 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 Mm. June. I'm still in, but I have plans. Here, mid-May. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Keith and Mr. Keith have their 25th anniversary, and they will be celebrating sans clothes (laughs) somewhere (laughs) in an unknown, undisclosed location. With no children. And a hot tub. And a hot tub. In the woods. You're that not sounds supposed like a to give that shit novel. away. Yeah, it does sound like a horror. <laughs> sounds horror. like Megan's going to come with a machete. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's too much. Put too that far away. vitamin D away, Mr. Keith. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Mr. Keith. <laughs> oh, he loves us. Admit it. <laughs> Maybe not he anymore. He fucking delightful. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Oh. Keith might have to come get mrs keith oh dear god because she drove from pennsylvania and is really regretting life choices right now yeah airplanes are great people you just use them all the time (laughs) how many miles is it from johnstown pennsylvania to oklahoma city uh 1746 you didn't expect me to be exact i looked it up because your husband asked me the same question (laughs) but the advantage was she got to find the gas got cheaper the farther west she went that is so true because you didn't go far enough west that you hit the expensive gas again you stopped right at the good spot (laughs) where it's cheaper Oklahoma city has typically been very good about the gas prices being low it's super low over here in the land of mustang subsidies <laughs> Oil country subsidies. <laughs> Not only subsidies, but I don't think they tax their no. um, stuff like my usual summer trip to see my family in Wyoming is one thousand seventy miles. I so, win. <laughs> so that that just gives you kind of a because you know it takes me two days to get there, an, an extra seven hundred miles. Mm. And Keith did it all in two days. Wow, that's fucking impressive, man. So many audiobooks. <laughs> yeah. But the question, three. Three audiobooks? Three audiobooks. How long were they, though? Uh, and what speed did you listen on? We uh, need all the details. That's the question. I listened to them all at two times. So it was just, you know. See, there you I go. I don't know how you do that. Mr. Keith listens to YouTube at three times speed. Nope. And he understands every word. 
So when you go through it and you're constantly watching TV at three times speed, you get really good at listening to a book at two times. I played it two times speed for my office mate one day because I had it on like 1.2. I think I had one of the books I was reading at like 1.5 because I was trying to finish it before it got returned. And she was like, how do you understand that? And I was like, oh no, there's people listening like two, two and a half. And she's like, no way. And I turned yeah. it on and she was like, I don't understand a word that just came out of that phone. She's- and you know what's really hard? The true difficulty comes when that's your normal. Mm-mm. And you get in the car with a man you're married to. <laughs> <laughs> we all he listens to it on regular fucking no. speed. How dare he? And no. the narration is sounds like this. A row to bot. you the whole fucking time. <laughs> Martha's very aggressive today. <laughs> She's had a hard week. <laughs> it has been a very, very difficult tech week for me. Can we switch seats here? Nope. Oh, man. I'm just being real with you, Phyllis. There might be a boob punch in I your I was future. just going to say, don't boob punch the guest, but <laughs> it's too late. It's because I'm so used to Vonnie sitting next to me. That's Keith why. and I boob punched each other accidentally about 95 times that yesterday. That was not an accident <laughs> at all. <laughs> we were trying to get food at the cafe. and we Well, just, Megan was trying to get food. I Keith was, was trying to get wine. <laughs> and all of a sudden, I was just like, there's just bumping me. And I was like, what's happening? There's this amazing cushion, but... Megan ran into and she's like wow this is the best thing I've ever felt in my life and it just turned out to be my bosom but I got my chocolate mouse so it was fine <laughs> there, that's not an innuendo it is actually a chocolate mouse it's like a cake pop but shaped like a mouse and it's delicious and I got my wine and everyone was happy how many Megan blushes will this podcast be well that depends on how it depends far on what people's y- books are you know if you move the conversation a little bit more towards blowjobs <laughs> Hooray! Yeah, that good. just came they're from good. nowhere. And all there have, she goes. All you have to do is say the word. <laughs> She's like Pavlov's dog. I'm Blow. gonna go into my Hanson cult hoodie <laughs> <laughs> and tell you all to fuck off. <laughs> Keith got me a hoodie that says Hanson cult member on the back for my birthday, and because it's amazing. Let's just call a spade a spade. Yeah, yeah. right. Really. If the shoe fits, strap yeah, that man. baby on. I'm gonna wear it in Tulsa at Hanson Day, and people are gonna be real jealous because they're gonna be like, "Where the <laughs> fuck did you get that?" And I'll be like, "Not the merch store." Mm-mm-mm. Which can we talk about merch stores and the fact that I need them to have realistic expectation of clothing sizes? Oh yeah, well that oh, does yeah, happen. Yeah. We all yeah. need that. I ordered a pair of really cute Hanson shorts because they were cute, and I was like, oh, these would be nice for summer. Like, and they're infant sized. Yeah, and I got the extra larges. Extra yeah. large infant? Mm-hmm. Yeah, basically. <laughs> it's because mm. you're not 12. I, mm. So I had to email customer service for my return. I was like... Should have ordered a triple XL. I should have. Yeah. So really. I, I responded. I said, can I exchange these for like the 2X? We're not high schoolers anymore, y'all. It's not 1997 is what I put in the comments. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, come on, guys. Just because your daughters that are 12 tried them on doesn't mean that the rest of us are that size anymore. Well, there is context there, Megan. You know? <laughs> Hanson fans? Mm. No, it's I'm not saying. just for Hanson fans. No. I've noticed that the sizes are getting yeah, you're smaller right. and yeah. smaller. You're absolutely They're right. cute and they're comfortable. Like, I took a picture in our group chat and sent it, and I was like, um, if anyone else ordered these shorts, just prepare. You're probably going to want to send for a bigger size. <laughs> you know, while I'm thinking about merch stores, we might want to just give a little plug to ours. Redbubble. Redbubble.com. Search three book girls. We have all kinds of options for you up there. You, you know, you you got to represent, guys. 
It really helps. Because yes. then not only does it show other people how awesome we are by inviting them to enjoy us, but it supports our habit. And I see that. Is that a three book girl? It sure is. A three book girls There's phone a, case. Oh. Two three book girls phone cases and a, ba- and and a, a tribe tote. bag this right here in the room with us. I love it. Mm-hmm. Who goes first? When Vonnie's not here. Oh, wow. Keith. Keith goes, okay. So do you have merch issues or dark chocolate things that make people happy? Oh, you guys are going to be sad. Or, I don't have any of those things. It's or white chocolate bummer. things that make are, people happy. Do you have happy. a Vonnie book today? <laughs> well, no, there's no people walking away on my book. I mean, <laughs> I do have, I guess it's kind of a murder mystery. Oh, I love murder Ooh. mysteries. Bring it, girl. <laughs> So the book I'm reviewing this week is called The Lifeguards by Amanda Eyre Ward. And uh, this book, basically, we're talking about uh, a very upscale neighborhood. And our main characters are these three friends. Their names are Whitney, Annette, and Liza. And they each have their issues. But as so often happens with our mom friends, everybody keeps them very close to their vest. So everybody has a secret They think that they're the closest of friends, but they realize throughout this book that they just don't know as much as they think about each other. But they really, they're very funny. Uh, So they get together all the time to to drink to a, uh, to afternoon drink, but they have a code for it. It's called, we're going to walk the dog and none of them has a dog. (laughs) And one of them is a very upscale realtor. So whenever they go to quote unquote walk the dog, that basically means they all bring your own, bring your own bottle and they go to somebody's uh, very upscale empty home (laughs) and just kind of break in and hang out in an empty home. So these women are coming back from their dog walking one day and They each have a 15-year-old son, and the 15-year-olds are great friends. And so as they're walking to their respective homes together, the boys come dashing up on their bicycles, and they're very freaked out, and they're all just kind of like, Mom, Mom, we didn't do anything wrong. We didn't do anything wrong, which, if you've ever had a teenager, means, oh, shit, what's going on? (laughs) So um, as they're trying to get the story, they finally realize that the boys stopped at the very there's a green belt along the area and so it's uh, protected land that can't be built on and there's a swimming hole and you can only go there as a part of this upscale neighborhood so on their way home they stopped at the swimming hole and they found a dead body and they claimed that they tried to resuscitate this young woman and she's about 21 years old and so they tried to resuscitate her but were unsuccessful and uh didn't do didn't call anybody just kind of biked home and said mom dad what do we do and right away one of the husbands says you know what no one say a word he gets a burner phone and goodness knows why these people just have a burner phone lying around they call 911 and they do it anonymously and tell the boys okay we're never talking about this again of course none of that goes well and it all starts falling apart but basically They all know the boys are lying about something, but we have no idea what they're lying about. And the story goes from everyone's different viewpoint. So the sons all tell their viewpoints, the moms all tell their viewpoints. So it's not hard to follow though, but we go from present day to to the past, then we come back to present day. We We go many places in time with many differing viewpoints. 
but it's pre it's very well documented so that you're not confused but this mystery turns out to be much more than just a poor dead girl that we're trying to find out one who she is who her family is and what happened to her and what the story really boils down to in the end is that it's, it's a tale about the lengths that a mother will go to to protect their child and each mother goes to lengths that they never would have expected and all of the friendships get strained as things come to light it is a really fantastic mystery because you really just as you go along things come together and then as things come together, more things unravel. Uh, but as you get to the end, everything has been wrapped up in a pretty bow. So you, there aren't any loose strings, which I really hate in a mystery. So this one was done really, really well. And it was really interesting. It did not at all go where I thought it would, which is... Ooh, I like it when that happens. That's exactly. It's a great thing when that happens. Because I hate when I can predict halfway through what's going to happen. But I would definitely recommend it. And that is The Lifeguards by Amanda Air Ward. Excellent. That sounds good. That does. Yeah, I can see any of you really liking it. There's hmm. not really romance in it. So I think you're good, Martha. Excellent. I'm going <laughs> to put it on my list. I think we need to move right along to Miss Phyllis. And she needs to tell us uh, what kind of book she picked for her review today. Well, the book that I picked is something that I have loved for years, and it's actually a comic. Oh! And it is Castle Waiting, Volume 1, by Linda Medley. And Linda did the writing and illustrations, and she put it out independently as a serial comic um, book series in 1996. If you love fairy tales, especially German fairy tales, Grimm's fairy tales, this is the book for you. It begins with a retelling of Sleeping Beauty in the, a sort of a prequel, which is called The Curse of Brambley Hedge. And the story is told from the viewpoint of those who are not the main characters. So if you've ever wondered, you know, Sleeping Beauty went off with this prince. What happened to her handmaiding? What happened to the butler? What happened to the valet that were left at the castle? You know, the royals are all gone. What are they doing? So it's told from their viewpoint that's interesting I love that idea <laughs> yeah, mm -hmm. it's great and so you get the viewpoint of the handmaidens the godmothers you know you never think of what happened to the fairies who gave Sleeping Beauty all of those wonderful gifts that ungrateful and bitch just left them behind just <laughs> left them behind and also when she got cursed think of how pissed off her dad was so what happened to those wonderful witches they got burned out of town because people were pissed at them mm, so you know like just the all of the things that went on and there's also of course you know the one who did curse sleeping beauty the evil in quotes witch who actually is so arrogant she pisses off the devil i mean this, that that which is tracks <laughs> with maleficent yeah it tracks it tracks so it and she and that which also has a companion demon called Leeds, who is a favorite character of mine. So basically, it tells about how Sleeping Beauty impacted the lives of those around who took care of her and all of that. And what happened when she woke up and then ran off with this weird prince. Um, 
<laughs> and then, really, that's just the prequel. The real meat of the story is what happened to the castle. And so this real story starts years after Sleeping Beauty leaves. Leads, well, he's now unemployed after his mistress pissed off the devil. So he's patrolling the neighborhood around the castle, waiting, looking for souls to corrupt. The castles become home for another group of fairy tale characters who are sort of overcoming their own traumatic events. And the daily workings are overseen by a character called Rackham, who's a stork headed dandy. And stork, stork headed yep. dandy, stork headed dandy. I'm going to start calling my husband that. that yeah, sounds like the greatest it's great. insult. And the place has become run down and it has mischievous, but generally friendly, like spirits and poltergeists who are in the castle. And the rest of Castle Waiting, the story revolves around a character called Lady Jane. And she is a pregnant woman who's fleeing her abusive husband. And the story unfolds of how Jane settles into the castle's keep with her baby and with the help of some hammerlings. So if you know your fairy tales, hammerlings are in German folklore, they're the dwarves. So of course you've got Snow White White. in there and the other residents. And it really gives sort of details and backstories about the characters. There's a bearded nun called Sister Peace in there. And I have to say her story is probably one of the best written stories about self-love that I have ever read. It's absolutely incredible. But anyway, this book referenced tons of fairy tales like Dr. Fell, um, Simple Simon. And Simple Simon's actually half giant. And his dad, who's a wonderful man, is the one that's killed by Jack the Giant Killer, Aww. who Simon keeps referring to as the serial killer in the book. Oh, there's <laughs> he the, has to have more than one victim. Yeah, there's Gold Egg Lying Hen, who's in there. You have references to Jack the Beanstalk. You have the Bremen Town musicians make an appearance. And Jane is someone you're part of the book is trying to figure out who she really is and one of the characters refers to her as being that girl he saw in the bet bell woods which is the fairy tale based on beauty and the beast which is originally from france and that was titled la belle et la bête and so that means the forest name translates to beast beauty wood and the hammerlings call jane's son aleshi and Leshi Pani is Czech for forest lady, or Lusinka, which is old Russian word for the female forest god. So her story has got these other complicated and going into Baltic and Russian fairy tales happening in there too. So again, there's like bearded nuns in this castle's library is the book of Alice in Wonderland. So you've got Alice and Oz and the characters talked about, oh yeah, Alice. So she makes a appearance. I'm about to have to buy this book. Yeah. <laughs> there's half human hybrids. There's Silent Bob character. There's medieval Euro fantasy. There's Roma. There's secret paths. There's a host of other fairy tale tropes in this. And it's all just incredibly remastered to create a world that is incredibly rich with characters and situations. And you always want to know more 
So my take on this whole book is it's one of the best comics that I've ever read, and I highly recommend it for anybody who's at least 12 and up, mainly because some of the subject matters, like the domestic violence, there's some other things that go on, might not be appropriate for somebody who's under 12. But I've always loved fairy tales, and I really enjoyed how this is sort of like the fairy tale mashup. So it has literary references, um, it spins things on its head, and it also referenced real people. So like the character Rackham is actually a nod to Arthur Rackham, and he's an actual English book children's literary and illustrator, and he was known for being the top illustrator during the golden age of British book illustration. He's the one that illustrated Rip Van Winkle, Mm -hmm. Peter Pan in Kensington Gardens, and the fairy tales of the Brothers Grimm. So if you've seen their original books, he's the one that did all of the illustrations. So the main, one of the main characters is sort of a homage to that man. Um, and you really have to read it numerous times to catch all of the different fairy tales reference and the literary references. But it being a comic, does that make it shorter? Not really. It's it's. A- a couple, oh, a few hundred pages that's a long. Full ass book right there. Right. It was serialized over a period of years. Um, oh, Megan yeah, put it under yeah. her coat. Yeah, <laughs> Megan's already taking it away. And the thing is, is that this book has all the things about fairy tales you love and that Disney never did. So yes, people die. There are crooks. There's thieves. There's <laughs> Megan's freaking out hamsters. over that book over there. There's domestic violence. There's heartache. I don't know what book you're talking about. There's yeah. no book here. <laughs> <laughs> there's social strife. There's injustices. It. One of the big stories is about societal hate of those who are different. Mm. Um, Jane is except, you know, she's escaping from an abusive husband, carrying a child she knows won't be accepted in society. And Castle Waiting is the refuge. It's the place where all these characters come to to heal and to find a new sense of home and to be accepted. So it is an absolutely fabulous book. You will cry. You will laugh. You will just find such joy in it. I cannot recommend it enough. Really? I want to know how I've gone my entire life and never have heard of this. See, this is one of the reasons that makes it so important that we do a podcast like this. This is the, I mean, you're seeing it right in front of your eyes, so to speak, that everybody who reads a book has a unique experience with it. And then sometimes the only way that other people know about it is if someone recommends it. So this is what's happening right now. We're finding out out about a kind of book that I wouldn't have even considered reading before because... I'm not really all that interested in comics. So usually if I see something described as a comic, I, I'm like, oh, whatever. But you know what? You should never keep your mind closed. You should always be open to new experiences. And Megan is totally freaking out over there. And I have a feeling <laughs> that bad boy is going to find a place, maybe not that specific copy, but Let's hope. we'll find a, <laughs> find a place on her bookshelf before the week is out. <laughs> Oh, it's, it, I'm about to hunt the internet for that bad boy. <laughs> and I strongly recommend, this is volume one. Volume two was done by Fantas Graphics, and they left out Linda Medley's name mm. from it, and she kind of took a step back 
from that. Mm. There's some controversy around that. So this is volume one, which I strongly recommend. I do have volume two. It's it's good. It does tie up some things, but it is not it's nearly not, it's as not good. A, not the same as hers. Yeah. A title again is called Castle Waiting, and it's by Linda Medlin. Awesome. I'm really excited about that. I'm going to find that. So after that amazing book, I'm going to bring the room down. <sighs> Man, you like Sorry. the Vonnie. I, I am a little Vonnie. Maybe Vani. we should have let you go first. Right? <laughs> um, but mine is a true crime. Oh, that's right. And it is Green River Running Red, the real story of the Green River Killer, America's deadliest serial killer by the one and only Anne Rule, the true crime goddess herself. So this book is 560 pages long. So know that going in, if you choose to read this book or listen to it. Side note, Megan bitterly complained about the length of this book. I did. Numerous times over the last couple of weeks. Yes, I have. Um, so it was funny because I was reading this book when you guys had Donna on and I was off that week and I was yelling in my car in agreeance with everything that was being said <laughs> because the first 250 pages is all about his victims which is important, right? Because a lot of times we remember the name of the killer. We remember um, Gary Ridgway and we don't name or can't come up with the name of any of his victims. And he had 40. Yeah, that's a lot. They, he had a ton. Um, and there are a lot of misconceptions about a lot of his victims because over the years, the main headline is always, oh, he was killing sex workers and that was it. But there were a lot of them that were just women who were going to the bus stop on the wrong stretch of the road that we're coming home from work and just happened to be in that four block radius that he started the best way to say would be hunting for mm -hmm. victims. And in. I think that's what the, how he categorized it as well. Yes. And there were so many times where if they had just listened to people, they would have had him. And that was really interesting to know because there was one of the women, she was a sex worker and her boyfriend was actually there with her to like know which car she got in and things like that. And she got in Gary Ridgeway. Of course, we didn't know that's who it was at the time. He got she got in his truck, and the boyfriend was like, "Something's weird." And he and she like looks at the boyfriend in like kind of like a panic, and the boyfriend chases after the car, gets in his car, chases after the car, and then he loses him kind of down this side road. But he's pretty sure he found the house. He's like, "I'm pretty sure that's the truck." And like the police kind of were like, "No, you don't know what you're talking about." But they um. There was a several times where like he would talk to people like the police when they realized that they had a serial killer would just start pulling people over who were driving trucks or whatever and they had talked to him and they're like no it's not him move on. Um so that was really frustrating to read and I and like we've talked about hearing about the victim story super important but I think why I get bored with it to some extent is because I, I'm a psychology major and so I want the whys like I want to be in their the the killer's brain because I want to know like what their process like why they were doing what they're doing or why they thought they had the right's not the right word but that's all I can come up with right now <laughs> but so it wasn't towards the end of the book and really she doesn't even name him even when they're you know they're talking about him in the book she just kind of keeps saying him he so it's not until the very end of the book that she actually uses his name, which I thought was interesting. And in, in that's a that's a really interesting choice psychologically as well. Yes, 
because she, she doesn't want to give him any more exactly. power. No, yeah. She she's she's removing him from the equation. You have those serial killers who are like, I wanted to be famous. I wanted people to know my name. And I don't, I don't think Gary Ridgway ever really had that thought of I'm going to be famous because he never thought he was going to get caught. I mean, he had over at least 40 we can confirm, sort of confirm. And it was interesting that he had so many different, for lack of a better word, disposal sites. Because it wasn't all just in the Green River. Like, we think of him as the Green River Killer because that's where they found the first group of victims found by, like, teenagers playing in the river, um, which is horrifying in itself. And But he had, off the SeaTac airport, there was, like, an old neighborhood that was abandoned, and he had a spot there, and then he had some off in some other woods. And he got to the point where he was getting really brazen. He would start taking, like, he'd go back to the sites and take pieces remains and purposely put them in other sites and other states to try to like just mess with the police because he never thought he was going to get caught. Yeah. He was in, there was one of the victims in the river. He was on the riverbank talking to a guy in a canoe who was hunting for glass bottles, like old glass bottles. And Ridgeway had gone back to, be extra creepy with his victims' bodies. To be extra creepy. You you make that sound like something you're probably not thinking it is. Oh no, it's exactly what you're thinking it is. Ew. <laughs> yes. Ew. Nope. Ew. Yes. God damn. Um. <laughs> the, 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 yeah. So he had gone back to the site to bow chicken bound. <laughs> yeah. Like I can't even say it out loud because it gives me the heebie-jeebies. I had no idea he was a necrophiliac. necrophiliac. Um, And so he got caught by the canoeer because he was on the riverbank. And he's like, oh, I thought I saw some like glass bottles over there. And he literally pointed out his victim and then jumped in the car and ran. And the canoeer like paddles over thinking like, oh, I'll find these really cool, unique bottles. And he's like, or a dead body. (laughs) And by then he was like, where the hell that dude go? Like, what the fuck? And of course he was out and long gone but he had almost got caught then too i i had never heard that story. i hadn't either and i so that That's part cool. of it was really fascinating hearing all the near misses and kind of getting the true story behind the fact that the story that gets told about him only like quote unquote only going after sex workers was really untrue because it's some, not all but a lot of them were victims who were just walked out of work and went to the bus stop or the payphone or whatever it may be and never made it home because they happened to cross Gary Ridgway's path. And then so many of them were so young and he didn't really have a preference of race. It was age more, I think than it was anything else, which really confused the FBI. They were like, well, we don't understand. Like they always have a type and they're like, well, this dude does not have a type other than age basically. But I have determined after reading this book that the reason I get so irritated with nonfiction is because I want more of the psychology of the killer. Not that the victims aren't important. They're the most important part. Their story should be told. We should be able to name any of his victims rather than just say there were 40 of them. I still even can't name them without reading the book, without having it in front of me. Um, But I think that's why I keep reading these books, hoping to get more of that psychology. And the authors just aren't giving it to me. (laughs) But... Uh, if you want to know a lot of detail about Gary Ridgway and the the fact the task force, because it took them almost 30 years to catch him finally. 
Um, and they, the task force was available and working that whole time. So I thought that was impressive that they never totally shut down the task force, that they weren't like, oh, well, we're never going to get rid of them. The t- it ebbed and flowed in size and that kind of thing. But they were determined. There were people that were like, well, he's not getting away with this. We're going to keep doing it, even though it took us 30 plus <sighs> years to finally catch him. Did you know that right oh. now, they're estimating about a thousand serial killers active in the world or in the country in the country well that's fun that seems like a high number that's what i said too but spencer reed says five spencer reed isn't um, real we, yeah not only is it not real but those are old that's those true are old i mean if you yeah, yeah I, I wouldn't it's be really surprised fucking freaky were you watching like dude. dateline or something oh i know it was in it was in ron francel's book I, the one that pat reviewed the other day yes i also read it at the same time and that's I would believe he it. talked to a profiler from the FBI and he they they said that's an that's an estimate of how many are well, active if you right think now about this is is potent and trendy is not the right word but is true crime is right now they the tricks have all been out there well, so like they're the ones we know of but well but I'm saying like they're they're able to change their mo because Accurate. they know mm-hmm. the fbi is looking for me to be killing this person so i need to change my mm. if if they have that capacity some can't some are like hyper fixated on their type or whatever but mm-hmm. that and that was some of the green river killer was that there was a couple that he actually had stabbed at one point instead of strangling and they're like well this can't be a green river case because they're stabbed and he was like oh no no that was me yeah i think a lot of it too is it's not so much they don't know who it is it's that they don't have enough to prosecute them. Mm-hmm. And Good the point. Green River Killers one where they knew kind of after a while, but they couldn't have enough evidence to prosecute. Yeah. Um, one of my professors at University of Washington was the forensic anthropologist oh. on, that, on the Green River Task Force. That's freaking awesome. And oh. that was the best class ever. I would have never left that class. I would have been like, I'm taking this class <laughs> yeah. for eight hours every yeah. day. I actually got the worst grade because I was too busy. Like, that's so fascinating. I wasn't paying attention to what was on the test, but that's a whole That would have been oh, me. Oh, I know you. I flunked your class. Yeah, I was the one that flunked. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that, that tends to be the big thing is they know who a lot of people are, but can't prove it. Court. Prove it in court so that they don't walk again is the hard thing. Yeah. Well, yeah, because you don't mm-hmm. want to try them and then the, the jurors go, yep. eh, I don't know, because then, then it's double jeopardy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So now they're out and got to catch them on something else, but... I really, Anne Rule writes fantastically. If you've never read her books, her Rachel reviewed one of hers, The Stranger Beside Me, which was about Ted Bundy. Um, she has a brilliant insight and amazingly, I mean, she has passed in the past couple years, but the amount of people that would like call her with tips instead of calling like the task force, they'd be like, hey, Anne Rule, like we know you're probably doing the book on this. So like, we're just going to tell you now. <laughs> And she'd be like, how about you call the FBI <laughs> instead of me? Because she was well known in the journalism community for her reporting even before her books and stuff had come out. So she basically worked on this book for like 30 years till they caught him, till could, they could prove it was him. And that was Green River Running Red, the real story of the Green River Killer, America's deadliest serial murderer by Ann Rule. So today I'm going to review something a little bit different for me. I, I can't, I know I've read a book similar to this a while ago, but it has sort of been a while and I'm not even really sure that I reviewed that now that I think about it. Anyway, the book is called Wayward 
by Dana Spiata. This was a book about a woman who you get to watch her unravel. But the interesting thing is, she's about my age. So it was really, really fascinating to hear her reasons for doing some of the things that she suddenly spontaneously started. Okay, I'll give you an example. Okay, you can hear her talking in her head saying, well, I, okay, I bought, I bought a house. My husband doesn't know, but I bought a house. And they live in a nice neighborhood. Her husband's a lawyer. She thinks he's boring. And she just gets obsessed with this little house in this really crappy neighborhood and the bones of the house and just the whole, she romanticizes this hovel, basically. And she just buggers off one day and leaves her teenage daughter and her husband and moves to a bad neighborhood in the middle of her city. And her reasons for doing, I mean, it's just really, it all sort of hits ahead about the time that all of us can really relate to. And that would be right after the 2016 election. She's feeling very disenfranchised. She doesn't understand what the hell happened. She all of a sudden sort of starts joining all these Facebook groups of all of these really fringe individuals who are, you know, protesting and doing all of this stuff during that time period. And it's, it's almost like she's trying to all of a sudden live a different life. Like she, like her life was so far off track of what she was thinking that it would be that all of a sudden she just hops in and, and being a person of that age, I can, kind of relate to that a little bit because once once your child leaves you spent your whole life sort of that was your role was helping your child get past high school and then once he gets past high school it's so blase and and not blase so stereotypical to say oh my nest is empty but for her her teenage daughter is still in high school she's a junior in high school and so she just leaves she leaves her husband there to take care of and her husband and her daughter have always gotten along really well so it's like she's justifying this well her daughter is understandably extremely angry about it because it's not like her husband really did anything wrong she just doesn't want to be there and so she just and it's not like you can like you can blame somebody for how they feel I mean she just really was done and she just really needed to get out and sort out some issues. But the thing that you really start to realize is that probably 90% of the people you know could never pull that off. Because who has the money to go out and buy a fucking house in secret? (laughs) Who has that kind of money? Not me. So she's a very privileged woman. She doesn't sound privileged in the way the language is, you know, in the way it's written. She sounds like somebody who's losing her nut she just really is not mentally healthy she this group of people that she hooks up with through Facebook you're not even really sure what the hell they're doing they're protesting and they're doing nefarious things but she's not even really sure what I don't think they go to these open mic nights and they spout random shit into the microphone and they're like come on you can do it you can do it you can do it you can do it she finally goes up and gets on stage and does it. 
And she's invited her daughter, which is like the dumbest thing you can imagine him doing, you know. So she invites her daughter and her daughter is like, sees her up there and she's confessing these things that she's done as a bad mother to her daughter and her daughter sitting there. Not only is she mortified that her mother is sitting there yammering on about all this stuff in public, but she's never heard her mother talk that way before. And then she goes home and something happens in her neighborhood that is like horrific. And she witnesses something because I told you she lived in a bad neighborhood. She witnesses something. And it's like, it's like in the middle of the book, all of a sudden you got something else going on. It was just really poignant. No, no, not at all. No, no, no. It was more like it was one of those books for me. It was a fly on the wall kind of book where you're watching somebody's life. But you can kind of, I, I could kind of relate to a few of the things in there because of the time of life. The fact that she was going through some uncertainties in her life. That happens to all of us, whether we want to admit it or not. You girls are way too young for that shit. But myself, Vonnie, Shona, I um, mean. You know, Vonnie and I are the same age. And you girls, <laughs> I, I don't. I don't know if you're feeling that way because we've never had long extended conversations about it. But now that you're raising your hands, I can kind of see that that's probably the case. Most of the people who listen to our podcast are women. So I think that at many times in our lives, we felt like our choices were maybe a little not 100% perfect. I wouldn't say poor choices. I would just say we've made choices that later on we've gone, and I probably shouldn't have done that. And because I did that, this happened. And because I did that, that happened. And then here you are, you're 57 years old, and you look around your life and you go, what the fuck? <laughs> so uh, the reason that I liked this book was I got to look inside somebody else's head and recognize myself in some of the things that she was writing about. But not in a way that was poignant. It was more real. It didn't feel like the kind of book where she was writing for effect. Because I don't like that kind of shit. I don't like, oh, everybody's, oh, it was terrible. Now everything's good. No, the book was not like that at all. It was more of a, you kind of come to see why she's behaving that way very late in the book and I like that that happened because some more things made sense but there was no bow at the end there was no happy ending I really like this book the more I sit with it the more I feel like I feel like I saw her if you look at the reviews on Goodreads I want to punch some of these people in the throat <laughs> because it deserves a higher rating I really felt like they should have I don't know it's it's like anything. A review is subject. It's, it's subjective. Subjective. Yeah. yeah. Subjective. The it's it's subjective. It depends on your mood. It pe- depends on your life experiences. It depends on what mood you're in when you pick up the book. All of that crap. But I loved it, and I think that this. I'm going to try to read some more books by this author because I really felt like it told a story about some of the ways I felt after the 2016 election, some of the thing, some of the feelings I had during that time, some of the, I mean, I was very angry, am very angry that the world is going in the direction that it has, you know, with Texas all of a sudden saying, oh, well, you know, if you're pregnant, 
that's it. You know, six weeks. Yeah, you should have known. You do know Oklahoma passed that same bill last Fuckers. week. I don't even want to talk about it. I'm just I'm still angry about it. I just didn't want you to just blame Texas. OK, I'm not going to blame Texas. I'm saying what's happened is because of what Texas did. It's a domino effect that's happening in this country. And I think it's a crying fucking shame that we're going back in time and that all of a sudden we can't make decisions for ourselves anymore. We have to have a man do it. Or a government do it. So there you have it. I'll shut my freaking pie hole right now. But really, truly, I enjoyed this novel for all of those reasons. And in fact, I'm kind of thinking about bumping it up a star. Because it really spoke to me in a time of my life where things are... It's chaos out there, my friends. I needed to feel a little connection with something. And I really like this. It was called Wayward by Dana Spiata. Sorry, we were looking up the cost of this lovely book. Oh. <laughs> I was and like, did I render the entire room silent with my rant? No, no, I was thinking about how introspective this podcast has been. <laughs> it's because Bonnie's not here to make us filthy jokes. No, that's not that's not accurate at all. That's not accurate at all. We said we had some filthy jokes earlier. Are you? Speak it. Bonnie says, make a joke about the zombie apocalypse, quick. (laughs) That's where we're headed. Yeah. It didn't work, Bonnie. (laughs) I have found a funny BuzzFeed article. Oh, bring it. Is it it about the zombie apocalypse? So the title, and it's kind of funny because a lot of it's true. It says, people are sharing things that used to signal that you were considered upper class, but now single that you may not be upper class. Like the, the, oh. the things have switched, right? Okay. Wow. So wait, the, the article places. is really called, you thought you were cool, but you're actually white trash. Is that what it is? Maybe. Yeah. Because I feel like you thought you were bougie, bougie, but really you're, I'm sure I do everything it, on that freaking well, no, list. No, it's more things like that. When people used to say like, Oh man, I have a 35 inch TV. Like now you're like, okay. Great. I thought you were going to say, oh, Whoa, I God. have a 35 inch dick. It can be coming know, out your I throat. Know, right. Yep. <laughs> that having extra, so this having extra weight meant that you had enough food to gain weight while being thin was a sign of being poor. Cause you were hungry. And Damn, it's very rich. interesting how that has switched. Well, you I mean, think of all like well, the yeah. Hollywood folk who are like skinny, skinny, skinny because they spend 12 hours a day with a personal trainer. So you have to have a Ford to be able to. Well, and they have like a, a personal chef. I mean, personal right. trainer, if I personal had people chef, making yeah. me food, I could not eat. I don't know. Uncle Ben's and, you oh, know, um, hearty man dinners. A <laughs> hundred years ago, poor people had horses and rich people had cars. And now it's exactly it, the opposite. Oh, my gosh. Lots of shares in Blockbuster Video. Uh, <laughs> I still have my rental. I'm oh, reading a book right is... now that t- that's about <laughs> one of the main things is they're always talking about Blockbuster. Oh uh, back in the 80s, people showed off their that they were rich by opening their wallet and that big sleeve of credit cards would come out. Like, right? You remember yeah, those? Uh-huh. And it says now it just shows you're living off all your credit. Aw. Like, like the less credit cards you have. Oh, like <laughs> so if you're using cash it means yeah well no, like it's saying that you're you only need the one card because you're not opening credit cards to oh, keep gaining credit okay i get what you're saying like okay. whereas before when you used to like people would flip them open that whole thing would come out and be like oh my god look at all those credit cards they call they have like that's so awesome quick funny think of something dirty that's uh that, <laughs> that has to do with them 
A one-liner. Money. For, one, That's one, where I carry my condoms. How, <laughs> how many, there you go. The reuse, re upcycle the the credit card flip wallets. Use them. Use oh ew. One liner just says Wrong water shape. beds. <laughs> <laughs> and you can you still have... go to uh, Blockbuster in Bend, Oregon. Yeah, there's one left. There's, there's one a... left. That's the one that. So you can still get VHS porn. <laughs> have you been there, Phyllis? No, we haven't been to Bend in a really long time, but it's it's still there. It's kind of telling that you happen to know about this video porn availability. Just well, saying. no, it's a blockbuster. <laughs> they always had that little room, you know. With the curtain, like that was going to... The curtain. But somehow, magically, yeah. the curtain was a deterrent. Yeah, you have to have a credit card. Otherwise, you can't get Pornhub. The good Pornhub. Oh, is there a good and bad Pornhub now? Gee? Well, the good, th- there's a premium Pornhub, and you need a credit card, right? You know who would know? The people in Russia who can't get Pornhub right now. They probably would know if they need the premium. <laughs> Those poor Russians. Those poor saps. Right. <laughs> Not able to. Can't get their porn fix. They have to take manners into their own hand. Oh, <laughs> We've got Vani in the room now. <laughs> she can feed us she's, lines. She's kibitzing <laughs> lines from the Haunted Futon. I get my smut from Dirty Book. Is there like a premium romance where you get like the extra dirty books? Oh, that's called Kindle Unlimited. <laughs> oh, yeah, baby. Uh, that's true. Or, or Kindle Wat- Unlimited is my jam. Or Wattpad, <laughs> I guess. Or I guess no. we could go to the ultimate. Wattpad and, and- is 12-year-olds running porn. Like it's that's true. yuck. Let's go to the uh, the ultimate in current porn viewing for women. Drum roll, please. Bridgerton. Woo! Bridgerton. That's no. where we started. Isn't there it? was far less Bridgerton. Far has less disappointed sex us this season. If you need a Bridgerton porn fix, you're gonna have to go back to season one and the Duke burning for her. Seriously, what the hell, guys? Yeah. What did he have gonorrhea? No, no there's COVID. Yeah. Oh. Nobody wants to have sex on TV anymore. What the hell? Yeah. People don't suffer for their craft. Well, you said he was burning for her. No, that was the oh. the Duke's. That was the Duke's <laughs> line. They didn't come out Martha. and say it, but. Syphilis, anyone? <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. Penicillin, <laughs> if you're willing. <laughs> and that's going to do it for. Three Book Girls. Can't get enough of Three Book Girls? Check them out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Follow them on TikTok, YouTube, and check out their website at threebookgirls.com. And join the group Three Book Girls Tribe on Facebook. If you really love them, share the podcast with a friend or join them at one of their live events. Three Book Girls, a Steel Trap production.